Welcome back to the Rights and Liberties Podcast, where we are discussing the Federalist Papers. Today we will be talking about Federalist 57. We often begin these podcasts with reference to three big ideas from the essay under examination. Now in Federalist 57, Madison defended the Constitution against the charge that the House of Representatives would be composed of members which, quoting Madison, quote, will have least sympathy with the mass of the people, end quote. With that in mind, here are three big ideas from Federalist 57. Big idea one. In the course of this defense, Madison reminded his readers that the Constitution created a Republican government. So to oppose the Constitution would be difficult to render consistent with support of Republicanism. Big idea two. In the course of describing the loyalty of representatives to those electing them, Madison offered several reasons rooted in psychology and affect. Big idea three. Part of Madison's defense of the Constitution with reference to the House of Representatives rested on similarities between representation in the House of Representatives and representation in the individual states. So, as with the previous couple of essays in the Federalist Papers, Federalist 57 is focused on defending the proposed House of Representatives from arguments offered by those opposing the Constitution. Big Idea 1 reminds us of the main focus of Federalist 57. Madison's response to those asserting that the House would elevate to office representatives with little sympathy for the, for the people at large. In addressing this, Madison pointed out that the government of the USA under the Constitution would be a Republican government. Quoting Madison here, quote, Whilst the objection itself is leveled against a pretended oligarchy, the principle of it strikes at the very root of Republican government. The aim of every political constitution is or ought to be, first to obtain for rulers men who possess most wisdom to discern and most virtue to pursue the common good of the society, and in the next place, to take the most effective precautions for keeping them virtuous whilst they continue to hold their public trust. The elective mode of obtaining rulers is the characteristic policy of Republican government." Presuming that those opposed to the Constitution thought themselves in favor of Republican government, Madison sought to link the Constitution with Republicanism in order to dispute this line of attack. Madison asked, rhetorically, quote, Let me now ask what circumstance there is in the Constitution of the House of Representatives that violates the principles of Republican government or favors the elevation of the few on the ruins of the many. Let me ask, whether every circumstance is not, on the contrary, strictly conformable to the, these principles and strictly impartial to the rights and pretensions of every class and description of citizens." End quote. By reframing the concern over those elected to the House in terms of Republican government, Madison sought to join support for Republicanism with support for the Constitution. One way that Madison reinforced this point was to argue the qualification for voters would be left to the states, and that the qualifications for running for the House would not be onerous, quoting Madison on this, quote, Who are to be the objects of popular choice? Every citizen whose merit may recommend him to the esteem and confidence of his country. No qualification of wealth, of birth, of religious faith, or of civil profession is permitted to fetter the judgment or disappoint the inclination of the people, end quote. 
Later in Federalist 57, Madison in very sharp prose connected Republican government with the necessity of trusting the citizenry and trusting the electoral choices of the citizenry, quoting Madison on this point, quote, What are we to say to the men who profess the most flaming zeal for Republican government, yet boldly impeach the fundamental principle of it, who pretend to be champions for the right and the capacity of the people to choose their own rulers, yet maintain that they will prefer those only who will immediately and infallibly portray the trust committed to them." End quote. Big Idea 2 looks at the specific things Madison thought would bind representatives to constituents. The first, in some ways, is just an inference from the fact of election. Something about the representative must distinguish the representative, simply in view of the fact that the representative was elected. The second was the idea that the representative's happiness at having been elected would, according to Madison, cause a feeling of affection for constituents. The third focused on different affects of the representative, quoting Madison here, quote, His pride and vanity attach him to a form of government which favors his pretensions and gives him a share in its honors and distinctions, end quote. The representative would want to return to office, in part because of that pride and vanity, and this would move the representative in the direction of responsibility. The fourth thing Madison identified as binding representatives to the voters was the frequency of elections. A fifth idea cited by Madison as important might be less intuitive. Madison pointed to the equal application of law to the members of the House and to the citizens alike, quoting Madison here, quote, this has always been deemed one of the strongest bonds by which human policy can connect the rulers and the people together. It creates between them that communion of interests and sympathy of sentiments, of which few governments have furnished examples, but without which every government degenerates into tyranny." End quote. The first two big ideas we have pointed to were quite theoretical. The third is more empirical. Madison, in defense of the Constitution, pointed to similarities in representation between the states and the House of Representatives, quoting Madison here, quote, The only difference discoverable between the two cases is that each representative of the United States will be elected by five or 6,000 citizens, whilst in the individual states, the election of a representative is left to about as many hundreds. Will it be pretended that this difference is sufficient to justify an attachment to the state governments and an abhorrence to the federal government." End quote. Though Madison turned briefly to examples from Britain, his main focus was on examples from American state governments, quoting Madison on this, quote, The districts in New Hampshire in which the senators are chosen immediately by the people are nearly as large as will be necessary for her representatives in the Congress. Those of Massachusetts are larger than will be necessary for that purpose, and those of New York still more so. In the last state, the members of assembly for the cities and counties of New York and Albany are elected by very nearly as many voters as will be entitled to a representative in the Congress, calculating on the number of 65 representatives only." End quote. These were apparently not single-member districts, but Madison did not think this detail mattered so much, quoting Madison on this, quote, It makes no difference that in these senatorial districts and counties, a number of representatives are voted for by each elector at the same time. If the same electors at the same time are capable of choosing four or five representatives, they cannot be incapable of choosing one." End quote. After referring to additional examples from Pennsylvania and Connecticut, as well as states already mentioned, Madison ended the essay by challenging those opposed to the Constitution to consider their concerns in light of these examples, quoting Madison, quote, 
I leave every man to decide whether the result of any one of these experiments can be said to countenance a suspicion that a diffusive mode of choosing representatives of the people tends to elevate traitors and to undermine the public liberty, end quote. We often take a moment to refer to politics in the present and the future at the conclusion of these podcasts. One thing that Madison pointed to in passing, as we just noted, was the existence of multiple member districts in some state legislatures. His presumption seems to have been that there would be single-member districts in the House of Representatives, or at least that is how the argument appears to me. And while there have been at times some representatives elected under a system other than one defined exclusively by single-member districts, it is now the case, and has been for more than a half century, that all members of the House of Representatives are elected from single-member districts. Thank you for listening to the Rights and Liberties podcast. For more about the Sunwater Institute, please visit our website at sunwater.org.